Well, you might notice from our first slide that we are actually starting a new teaching series, a new learning series together across our summer Sundays. And we're going to be delving into the Bible book of Philippians. And in that book, rejoicing is most certainly one of the themes that comes through. And that is the overall teaching learning series. Rejoice, really? Because you may see from that title, there is both an encouragement. The encouragement is there. Rejoice. And in the main, although the word joy means delight, I'll be honest with you, I don't see in that word and in the context of Philippians that kind of bouncy, exuberant, smiling all the time happiness. But what I do see in that word is something of contentment, fulfillment, and thanksgiving. And it's on that last word, thanksgiving, we're going to focus today's talk. But having made that encouragement, rejoice, we've framed this series, as you can see, with a word and a question, really? Now, I think that is a valid question. Because if the encouragement is to rejoice, and we're saying, yes, but, or yes, but really, so often that question comes when we're in those situations and in those circumstances where, in all honesty, we do not feel like rejoicing. I mean, come on. We've all been there, haven't we? And if not, we're going through that time right now when the last thing we want to hear is something around Thanksgiving and rejoicing and joy because the question we ask is really and the last thing we want is I may just be talking about myself here but maybe for you as well the last thing we really want is in those difficult times is that bouncy person coming up right in our face and saying rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice I mean, it's valid because that is a sound verse from this same book of Philippians. But we're not really in a place to have that lovely person, happy and smiling in our face and saying that kind of thing. And I say that because I think sometimes we've got to take a little bit of care and wisdom when it comes to giving Bible verses to people. Because sometimes we, we may be well-meaning, but it's just not the right thing to give or to say at that point in time. So I think we do have to exercise care over verses we're giving to one another as Christians, or even people who aren't Christians, just to give them what we think is an encouragement when they're really hurting and they're just not in a place to receive that at the time. So yeah, a bit of wisdom, a bit of care. So we're going to read from the first chapter of Philippians. And uh, the words will be on the screen here. So this is right at the beginning of chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1 verse 1. Paul and Timothy, 
servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. Verse 4. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Verse 7. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Verse 9. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now you may have noticed there the reference to rejoicing. So let's have Philippians chapter 1 verse 4 on the screen. This is, uh, next slide please. This is, um, this is, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. And on this occasion, you need to ask, well, what, what is the cause of that joy? And Paul's just saying, well, yeah, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I think this is wonderful. I think this is about partnership. This is about working together for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ and that being a source of joy for us. And I wonder, am I being too presumptuous by saying that I like to think this marks us as a church together here at Ebby, that as we work together, whether that's on a team, whether that's in with a group of people, or whether that's all of us together, that as we work together, and yes, for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that although it can sometimes be hard work, there is that sense of joy that comes out from being together and working together. And that joy, again, if I can refer to that feeling and that sense of contentment and fulfillment and thanksgiving. And I, I hope, I pray that is the case for us as a church in our various groups, our various teams, as we work together. It's a partnership. But what about joy in the context of hardship? I mean, what does Paul model here in the first place? Well, we know that Paul wrote this letter to the church at Philippi while he was in prison. 
So next slide. This is Paul saying, whether I am in chains, literally in chains, or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. So Paul's just expressing, actually, it's that former state where I am right now. I am in chains. Physically, I am in prison. I'm in jail because of my faith. And yet, this is something he's modeling to us. That although he was in terrible circumstances, yet he still has this experience of joy as he prays and as he writes this letter. And it seems that in spite of the circumstances, Paul chooses this attitude. He refuses to let his situation dictate his mood or his approach. And I don't even think we can think that this is just Paul on his own. If we're thinking of Paul as a strong character with a resilience that you might think, I don't have that kind of resilience. I don't think Paul is on his own doing this out of his own strength. He's actually drawing upon the strength that comes from Jesus Christ himself. His choice is enabled and empowered by his faith in Jesus and so when he wrote, for example, this time to Galatia, and if we can have on the screen, this is Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. This is Paul saying, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but it's Jesus Christ that lives in me. The life that I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. And gave himself for me. He's just expressing there something of where he is now. As someone who has chosen to follow Jesus. That the strength, the power and the life. No longer comes from within me. It's not just me. It comes from Jesus Christ himself. And this is a life that enables joy, thanksgiving and prayer. Can I say this? I wonder if you'd agree with me. We have as much access to the life of Jesus Christ as Paul did. Is that true? Because I think it is. I don't think we can just say, well, that's Paul and I'm not a Paul. It is Paul, but it's Paul in Jesus. And it's Paul living a life now that isn't his own. It's the life of Jesus. He's living for Jesus and the life of Jesus is being lived in him. And I, I mean, it really, it really makes me think. I have as much access to the life of Christ as Paul did. Makes you think, doesn't it? But even having said that, I want us to acknowledge that some people, and we might be there ourselves, are struggling and finding it really difficult to engage with joy, thanksgiving. And maybe that's because of circumstances that they're in right now, or you're in right now. Or because of their mental health, their mental well-being that might be at a really low ebb. That they're just not in a place to even think about joy and thanksgiving. So this talk might feel alien to you. I accept that. I understand that. 
And I just want to say a couple of things in response. First of all, I believe that our experience of joy and thanksgiving is more of a journey than a quick action. I don't think it's a switch. You know, I'm in a really bad place. I should be experiencing joy. Switch that switch. Oh, there it is. There's the joy. I don't think it works like that. I think it's a journey. And I think sometimes we've got to take the slow walk with that. And I think that's okay. So let's be kind to ourselves. But I want to just consider as well, you know, when when our own mental health is poor, when our own well-being isn't good, I do wonder sometimes the choices we make, the decisions that we make, we're kind of robbed of the ability to make those choices because of just where we are and because of our well-being that might be at a really low place. And I think we might be robbed of the ability to choose a life of joy or a life of thanksgiving if that's what we think Paul is exhibiting here. And I just want us to be patient and kind and understanding to one another in that. Do you really need me to say this? Don't be too quick to say to someone, cheer up, you're a Christian. It's not really the right thing to say, is it? And you know, you may well be in that place yourself where you're in uh, suffering, pain, um, struggle. Um, I want to suggest to you, and these are just words from someone else, um, the late Henri Nouon. He was the pastor of Lash Daybreak, which is a Christian charity in Canada that runs homes for people who have learning difficulties. Um, I say Henri Nouon, the late Henri Nouon. He's with God right now. Um, On the screen, these are words that he spoke. Our cup is often so full of pain that joy seems completely unreachable. When we are crushed like grapes, we cannot think of the wine we will become. One day, we will be able to taste the joy as fully as we now taste the sorrow. So I hope you understand that in my handling of this subject, I'm not actually saying, you know, well, we've got to be smiley and bouncy and exuberant all the time because we're Christians. I'm just handling also that difficult situation of life where the last thing you want is someone saying to you, cheer up, you're a Christian. And that is the last thing you should say. It's just not helpful. It can even be harmful, to be honest. So care, wisdom, discernment when we're talking to one another, especially when we're in really difficult places. But as Paul prayed, it wasn't just joy he was experiencing. He was also praying with thanksgiving. And then I'm asking myself this question. When I pray, you ask yourself this question too. When I pray, is the first word a word of complaint (laughs) or thanksgiving? And when we're talking with one another, 
and we're just chatting away. How much of our conversation is full of complaint and how much of our conversation is full of thanksgiving? I think we need to also challenge ourselves on these things. Um, Charles Spurgeon, he was a Baptist preacher in the 1800s. I know uh, he's not alive anymore, and if he were, he'd be really old. But I like a sermon that he gave, and he entitles it this. It'll be on the screen. Prayer perfumed with praise. I kind of like that. Prayer perfumed with praise. And there's something in here that sort of is... What George Muller, um, I mean, George Muller, <laughs> that great man of faith and prayer, built the orphan homes here in Bristol in the 1800s as well. Um, and he said, uh, and this is on uh, the next slide, we have specially to notice that prayer and supplication is coupled with thanksgiving. That is, if I may say so, that we should lay the foundation in the way of thanksgiving. And upon that place the superstructure of prayer and supplication. We should praise the Lord for what he has given us already while asking him for more blessing. And I like that too. And so how do we move? How do we move more towards thanksgiving? And I want to just give a few suggestions. Now be clear on this. This isn't theology necessarily. This is Derek's ideas. So accept them in that light. Um, the first one, and the, yeah, if we have the next slide, this is um, just that thought of there is a discipline. There is a discipline of thanksgiving in our lives. And um, I just wondered, and this could be an exercise you go with, how about a discipline in our lives that we ensure that for every moan we make, and we do moan. I'm not saying we can't moan. We shouldn't moan. I think we do. We're human. We moan. Just talk to my wife about me. She will make that very clear to you. We do moan. But how about a discipline that says, for every moan I make, I'm going to say five positive things. And let's it, let it be that balance that... Uh, my language is more of gratitude and thanksgiving than of moaning and complaints. So if I'm going to have a moan, okay, I'm going to have a moan. Behind the steering wheel is a real common place for me. I don't know if it is for anyone else. It is for me. And I'm thinking, okay, Derek, every time you've moaned about that driver, say five positive things. It's a discipline. It's, it's something to focus on. It's something to do. And even with Paul himself, you know, he very much, um, th this first chapter of Philippians is kind of full of positivity and optimism. And, um, and it's not until verse 15 you get any idea that Paul's got a, a little complaint to make. But up to that point, it's all positive. Grace and peace to you. I thank my God every time I remember you. I always pray with joy. He who began a good work in you. It's positive, positive, positive. And, and yet he has a little bit. Well, is it, I, I don't even know you can call it a moan. Because he refers to people who are preaching Christ out of envy and out of rivalry. And that's the first slight moan. Um, but other than that, it's all positive. So one suggestion, have your five a day. Five positives that outweigh the one moan. Secondly, I think there's an approach. 
the next slide, there is an approach, and as you can see, it's love. Of course it is. When do we not mention love on a Sunday in our talk? Rarely. There is an approach, and it's a, one of love. It, it's a combination of my love and the love of Jesus Christ. This is Paul speaking, I have you in my heart, and I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. So on one hand, I have you in my heart, but I also long for you with the love of Christ. And it's both working. So there's an approach, and it's an approach of love. And I think it's love that motivates, that empowers. It's love that I think results in this outpouring of thanksgiving. And love so often is the antidote to complaint. And it can lead to thanksgiving. And so Paul is saying, look... And this is him praying now for these people he's writing to. He who began a good work in you, now may he carry it on to completion. All of you, all of you sharing God's grace with me. And that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. That you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless. That you may be filled with the fruit of righteousness. And I'm thinking, Paul, wow, this is good praying. This is praying that is motivated by love. And lastly, next slide, there is an attitude I pause slightly at this point because I know full well that some of you are saying, Derek, don't, don't say it. Don't say it. You know what I'm going to say, don't you? <laughs> An attitude of gratitude. A cliche. A well-used phrase. Overused, probably. But there we go. I know it's corny, um, but here's Paul. I thank my God every time I remember you. And what an example this is. Just imagine that every time a person comes to your mind, the first response is thanksgiving and thankfulness. That's an attitude that you're adopting. That's an attitude you have. And sometimes it, it takes a bit of work to have that kind of attitude. But it is one that is of thanksgiving and gratefulness and thankfulness. Imagine that's the default position. Every time I think of you and I pray for you, my first default position is thankfulness. Thank you, God, for that person. Thank you for who they are, for what they do. Just thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Imagine that every time I pray, I always begin with praise. That's my first opening sentence is, actually, I've got lots of things to ask you, God, but the first thing I'm going to do is just say thank you. I'm going to praise you. And that's the default position. And the more we do this, the more our attitude changes in a good way. And this is making gratitude active rather than reactive. I don't know if you understand me by that. You know, I think we, we can easily turn to gratitude when it's a reaction. Someone does something, so you say, thank, thank you. Something happens, you're grateful. You know, you react to what's just happened. But imagine that you are proactive 
in gratitude. You're the one that makes the first move. And it's in your praying. It's prayer and thanksgiving. I think of you, and my first thought is, thank you. More thankfulness, less moaning. So, those are just a few thoughts for us to consider. I want to end with just a little story. Um, Towards the end of February 2020, you may clock that. That was just before we had the big announcement that we all had to stay in our homes because of COVID. That was March 2020. But in February 2020, Ange and I visited Jean Smith in Southmead Hospital. Do you remember Jean? Some of you don't know who I'm talking about. Jean was the loveliest, oldest lady we had in church in many ways. Goodness, did she live a life of thankfulness. Didn't she pray with thanksgiving? Just have in your mind, if you don't know Jean, this little old lady. And that's who she was, just full of thankfulness, full of gratitude. She had a hard life. But she'd been admitted with breathing and heart problems at hospital. And Andrew and I, we arrived, uh, Andrew's my wife, by the way, if you don't know. We arrived at Algar House at Southmead. And we came across a nurse walking in our direction. So we kind of stopped the nurse and said, look, can you tell us where is Jean Smith? We've come to visit her. And uh, I just expressed, um, she sort of said, well, who, who are you? And I said, and I said look, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the church pastor. I've just come to, to visit Jean. And the nurse was quite amazed because she said, oh, I was on my way to the telephone in order to telephone for the church pastor to come and visit Jean because she is so ill. And you're already here before I've even made the phone call. That's a story in itself, isn't it? I love that. Um, But two weeks later, after our visit, dear Jean passed away. And she is with her Lord and Savior now. Oh, I know that. But I shall always remember the last words that I heard her say by her bedside in Southmead Hospital. Do you know what she said to me? She said, I have been so loved by the Lord. The joy of the Lord has been my strength. Those were the last words I heard Jean say, because after that, the next news I had was she had passed away. So that will always stick with me. And I think that was Jean. I mean, she did pray long prayers. But she was always thankful, always grateful. So those are just a few suggestions. A life, it's not just prayer and thanksgiving, it's a life of thanksgiving that I think we're encouraged to live. But let's be kind and patient to ourselves and one another when we're just not there and things are hard too. Let's keep that in mind too. God bless you.